Hey folks, it's Sir Richard Wentworth. When you're ready to buy a car, True Car is changing car buying forever. Yes, True Car helps buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings, and True Car users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these 3 easy steps. First, download the True Car mobile app or go to truecar.com to find out what others paid for the car you want. Then, register to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Take your guaranteed savings certificate to the True Car certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. With True Car, you can save time, save money, and never overpay. To see how much you can save on the car you want, simply download the True Car mobile app or visit truecar.com today. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Three fifteen, TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Manunos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin. That was live, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Sweet, <laughs> and we're still live. Sorry, I'm doing the Diaz. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to an all-new UFC on AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Baranato, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, as always, Mr. George Hermosa and Mr. Jay Tan. You can find me at Daria B28 on Twitter. You can find George at J G Hermosa on Twitter, <laughs> well, I mean, and you can over. find they're going to think it's J G Hermosa. <laughs> Just G Hermosa, guys. I think they got that. And you can find Jay Tan at J Tan seven one six. Uh, you could also follow us on youtube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. If you guys haven't already subscribed, subscribe now so you can uh, like us, comment, let us know what you guys think. You could also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Tell us how much we don't know Tell or that we do. everything we do now. And don't forget to tweet us using the hashtag or hashtag <laughs> ABTVUFC. Yes. ABTVUFC, TKO or sub early. If you don't finish early, judges will pick on one, two, three. Wow. Yeah, I know. That was a little bit too much bus rooting, wasn't it? it <laughs> Going it off was, the cuff with the stupid song. <laughs> it was slightly bus rooting, but it was very creative. I like that, Jay. Um, the first two lines made sense at if least. If you guys have a better ABC <laughs> alphabet theme song to ABTV that has to do yeah. with MMA and ABTV, let us know. Hashtag ABTV UFC. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get down to the fights because let's just yeah. be honest. There were some good ones. Uh, you had Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz, two guys that are returning off a hiatus. Nick Diaz, about two years. Anderson Silva, about one due mm -hmm. to his injury. But let's start at the bottom of the card. I'm going to run through the results really quick. We mm -hmm. had Ian Uncle Creepy McCall versus John Hands of Stone Lineker, who, by the way, John Lineker didn't make weight for, I think, the fifth time in UFC history. Uh, but he was over by yeah. five pounds nonetheless. Fourth time, I believe. Fourth, okay. But still, that's a lot, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, the fight went on. He uh, forfeited 30% of his fight purse to Uncle Creepy. But Lineker came out with the win, the unanimous decision. Then we had Ed Shortfuse Herman versus Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson won via TKO in round one. Uh, we had Misha Cupcake Tate versus Sarah McMahon. Misha Tate won via majority decision. Uh, there was a draw on that one. 
And then we had Jordan Young Gun Main versus Tiago Pitbull Alves. Tiago won via TKO in round two. Uh, Tails Latis versus Tim the Barbarian Boach. Tails Latis won via Arm Triangle. Uh, Joe Lozon versus Al Raging Iaquenta. Iaquenta won via TKO round two. Then we had Tyrone, the chosen one, Woodley versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum was also overweight, but by nine pounds. We'll talk yeah. about that in a little bit. Uh, Woodley won via split decision. And then we had Anderson, the spider Silva versus Nick Diaz. And Silva wins via unanimous decision. All right, let's let's go to the bottom of this main card here because we had some exciting ones. Yeah, there's a lot of storylines to this show, not the least of which, obviously, was the return of uh, Silva versus Diaz. Right. Um, you know, both guys... Their hiatuses um, being kind of representing different points in uh, or, or you know, different stages of them at the different stages of their career. Um, the two issues with guys not making weight mm-hmm. um, multiple times. This wasn't the first offense for either guy, unfortunately, and uh, how the UFC is dealing with that. Um, and then you had uh, – let's see. I mean we, we've got a split decision that people can talk about, uh, the majority decision and how Misha Tate looked against Sarah McMahon. We um, also have uh, some performance bonuses that are interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little yeah. bit of an argument about that. Fight of the Night went to Lates versus Boach, mm-hmm. and performance bonuses went to Tails Latest versus Tiago Alves. So, Tails Latest and Tiago Alves. And Tiago Alves, yep. I didn't have a problem so much with Tiago Alves, but the Tails Latest double bonus thing I didn't quite understand. Um, personally, my vote would have been for, uh, uh, definitely would have been uh, Derek Brunson finishing uh, Ed, Ed Herman. That fast, you know, 30, 36 seconds. Ed Definitely. wasn't even in the fight. You know, I, I thought that should have gotten it. And and I, Ally Quinta in the post-fight conference was uh, um, was complaining about not getting the bonus. And I can kind of understand that as well, you know. I think uh, he felt that his performance over Joe Lozon was so dominant. And, mm-hmm. and in that, he should get a performance bonus. Um, yeah. I, Especially the way that he finished it. He put, a, he put out... Uh, he put a beating yeah, on Joe Lozon. That last um, flurry. So it definitely was worthy of a performance bonus. Yeah. Uh, he was, I think he had some, some drama afterwards because he was upset he didn't get it. He kind of threw some sort of a fit uh, yeah. that we saw on social media afterwards. But anyway... Um, Tails Latest and Tiago Alves did perform, so yeah. I don't have too much of an issue with that. Let's start at the bottom of the card here, and mm-hmm. we'll get through the drama. Uh, so Ian Uncle Creepy McCall took on John Lineker, uh, who once again... So this is his fourth time missing weight, John Lineker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana White has now given him and Kelvin Gastelum the ultimatum of moving up a weight class or not fighting for the UFC. Yeah. Um, obviously, I guess they will both make the smart decision to move up a weight class. Um I think the interesting story of this match itself, though, mm-hmm. you know, Lineker coming in overweight but still coming out with unanimous decision, um, taking what I believe is uh, was rounds two and three. First round I gave to Creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a takedown and was doing some damage from uh, from half guard uh, on Lineker, who was on bottom. Lineker did, towards the end of the match, or the end of that round, um, start to set up a, a leg lock, but... Uh, for the most part, that round was was Uncle Creepy's, was mm-hmm. Ian McCall's. Um, but Lineker came back. Certainly the second round was great. He threatened twice with guillotines, um, you know, and, and looked pretty close. Like he was in, in good position with with them, I thought. Um, was on top at the end of the round. Third round seemed to be more of a stand-up battle um, with, uh, with Lineker keeping the second. Uh, Ian got bloodied up a little bit. Um, I gave that round to Lineker as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's tough because there was a lot of hype when Ian came into the UFC about him, uh, you know, 
rising up the ranks fast. And, of course, there was that kind of um, false start we had in the four-man flyweight championship tournament against Demetrius mm-hmm. Johnson, uh, where I believe the score was announced as Johnson winning, but it was supposed to be uh, – but apparently one of the numbers looked like a nine when it was supposed to be an eight, something right, like that. Right, and, uh And it was – it turned out to be a tie that the judges in the UFC later figured out. Uh, so we ended up having to – they ended up rematching that one. And, uh, you know, for for as much as – for all the hype that Ian McCall had coming in, you know, his uh, his performance or his, his record in the UFC – has not necessarily represented that. And I don't necessarily put that on him so much, but, uh, you know, um, there is, uh, there's that disconnect, you know? I think we, hopefully we have yet to see the best from, from Uncle Creepy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it was a guy that had a lot of hype behind him and a lot of positive things being said about his performances. And with that hype, we didn't quite get what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But, that being said, I still think he's a great fighter. I still think he's a yeah. top contender in that weight class. And I do think that, you know, size could have uh, something to say about it in this fight. Mm. Because, you know, a guy like John Lineker that has repetitively not made weight, that mm-hmm. says to me he's walking around too heavy. Yeah. And that possibly he's, you know, he's built for the next weight class. And that should be where he's more suited. Um, that mm-hmm. being said, Ian McCall lost this one fair and square. So. Yeah. You know, maybe they give him someone lower down in the ranks and build him back up and see what he can do from there. But right now he's ranked number three. Interesting predicament because beating somebody like Ian McCall should pretty much kind of guarantee you a title shot, especially Mm -hmm. since uh, Demetrius Johnson is without an opponent opponent as we speak. Definitely. Um, But John Lineker is like, well, (laughs) you can't put him against him because he's probably going to make weight to begin with. Yeah. And And especially with title fights. I mean, non-title fights, I think they give you like one and a half pounds. One pound. One One, pound. One pound allowance. allowance. Uh, on title fights, you can't even be point one pound Correct. over. It's yep. got to be at that, you know, limit. Yeah, it's all so, or nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, it's in a tough predicament where the, yeah. the division itself is kind of like DJ's cleaned it out already. Um, I know they were talking about John Dotson, but I know one he already beat him. Two, he's hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, maybe he shouldn't have missed weight. Maybe he would have been getting that. Yeah, next seriously, shot. that's you know, Lineker did have a lot of uh, um, promise in terms of being a, a potential contender, but you've got to prove to, to make weight. You've got to prove that you can, mm-hmm. and that hasn't been the case for a while. Um, so anyway, you know, the thing, though, with, I mean, Uncle Creepy uh, always comes to, to fight. He puts on good shows. It just seems like there's something uh, something in each match where he's not going for the kill, um, and subsequently, you know, we, we see stuff like this, like it's right. was it victory, um, <laughs> victory grabbed from the jaws of defeat, or or vice versa, rather. Right, right, right. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's a tough spot for him as well. So, who knows what's going to happen with one twenty five? In the near future, we're going to see some movement in this weight class. I think so. Mm-hmm. We'll just see how it goes from there. But next on the card, we had a uh, um, Ed Short Fuse Herman versus Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson won via TKO. What did you yeah. think of that one? Uh, quick, <laughs> quick, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he rocked Her- Ed Herman with a left mm-hmm. uh, that pushed him back against the cage, and he followed up uh, quickly with uh, with more shots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, Herman was on the floor. I mean, there's no no question about that one. Right. Um, so yeah, there's not really much to say. Yeah. I again, I think yeah. that. But the next one, there's plenty to say. Uh, we have Misha Cupcake Tate versus Sarah mm-hmm. McMahon. Misha Tate is uh, 
number two ranked in the bantamweight division, Sarah McMahon number three. Yeah. Uh, they both already fought Ronda Rousey, the, the reigning champ, and lost Misha Tate twice, Sarah McMahon once. So this was an interesting matchup because you always wonder, I mean, Ronda Rousey wipes, has wiped through the bantamweight division for the most part, except mm-hmm. for Katz and Gano at this point. Yeah. Uh, and you always wonder, you see them how they face up against Rousey. Mm-hmm. You saw Misha Tate go three rounds. Um, mm-hmm. she, she held her own. She had some good shots on Ronda. She had some reversal takedowns and stuff like that. And then we saw how Sarah McMahon mm-hmm. lost to Ronda Rousey. Yeah. So you wonder how that'll play out in the cage. But interestingly enough, Sarah McMahon gave Misha Tate a run for her money. In that first round, it was yep. it was almost over for Misha Tate, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Misha Sarah said Ma- Misha said in the interview that she got rocked. She, yeah, she she was hurting. Right, she got dropped early by those yeah. two rights. Um, ended up in half guard, and McMahon was on top for for a lot of that uh, round. But Misha was busy on bottom, and mm-hmm. you know it's funny. Much like the McCall and Inkra match, um, Misha, in my opinion, lost the first round, but they came back and took the second and third mm-hmm. um, to justify that uh, um, justify her winning. Now, majority decision, guys, um, if you don't know, so of three judges, and I know we've talked about this in the past, of three judges you have here, uh, one and two give it, give the round to, or give the match to Misha. The third person, uh, the third judge saw it as a draw. So you have two, as opposed to a split decision where one, one other judge goes in the way of the opposing fighter in this case, uh, the judge saw it as a draw, so we just right. went with majority rules there. Um, the second round was close, but uh, I, I can see Misha. I can see how the judges gave it to Misha, and then uh, the third round was pretty uh, tra- straightforward. She had her mm-hmm. had her on the ground for the most part. Um, worked t- towards the end, kind of worked for a crucifix or to get in crucifix position. I mean, it's interesting that she was holding McMahon down, you know, um, for the second and third a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, Sarah McMahon's a Olympic wrestler. Exactly. So yeah. for Misha Tate to try to wrestle, we know Misha Tate fears no wrestler, fears mm-hmm. no ground game other than her own. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen her, you know, go toe-to-toe with Ronda's judo. She, did, she didn't give a shit. You know, she still went for the takedowns, still wanted to play the ground game and the cage game. Yeah. So uh, she definitely didn't fear Sarah McMahon's wrestling, but Sarah McMahon has some top-level wrestling. Absolutely. So it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, Misha's a college collegiate wrestler and mm-hmm. versus Olympic wrestler, how that played out. But um, I scored it. I scored it like the other two judges. I scored the the, the first round, McMahon, and the other two rounds, Misha Tate. So mm-hmm. um, in the end, Misha was definitely the winner of that one. But what I'm really excited to see is some movement in this bantamweight division with uh, Ronda Rousey versus Katzengano February 28th. Um, I don't know what you do with Misha from here. Uh, you know, you could give the trilogy match to Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, if Ronda Rousey wins versus Kat Zingano, because mm. there really is no one else to put up against Ronda after well, this. Well, if, if Kat dethrones Ronda, then you definitely do, because, I mean, it's a, it's a rematch. You definitely do Ronda and Misha? No, 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 you do Misha and Kat. Kat. The yeah. last time they fought was in 2013, so yeah, it's definitely been long enough where she deserves that rematch. It, people, I, know, I think... The fans aren't tired of that one. Like, it's it's a match that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, I don't know. I mean, the way that they they handled Henan Barrow and uh, right. uh, Anderson, Ronda, I would think certainly her dominance could justify an <clears throat> immediate rematch as well. Um, I mean, who knows how Holly Holm is going to look in her UFC 
Yeah. Holly Holmes is a definite, well. definite possibility. She's making her debut as the co-main event of the February 28th card. Mm-hmm. But she's still got to build herself to get to the Ronda. I'm, I don't think they're... I mean, she's going against Raquel Pennington, who's mm-hmm. definitely a serious name in the bantamweight division, but I don't think they'll take her from Raquel Pennington to, to Ronda Rousey. They've done it before. They they have, but... In I dire think, circumstances, though. Yeah, I think they'll give her one more, and maybe, maybe, if... Uh, if if Misha, if uh, Ronda Rousey does win versus Katzengano, maybe they give Misha Tate Holly Holm. I mean, it just depends. Yeah. It just depends on the timing. There. Yeah, I mean, if there's really no one else, then why 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 wait? You know, right. why do the inevit- inevitable? Just put them together right now. We'll see. I don't know. We will see. Hmm. There's also been some talk about about Chris Cyborg uh, coming into the UFC, possibly there being a 145-pound division. You know, guys, end of February is going to be very interesting for those that haven't seen the headlines already. Um, so at the end of February in the 28th here in Los Angeles, UFC 184. Now, as we've said, Ronda uh, headlining against Cat. The night before that on Fight Pass, uh, won't bother telling you where to find it. If you haven't figured it out already, then, you know. Um, but Invicta will be doing a show here in Los Angeles as well at the Shrine Auditorium, uh, airing on Fight Pass the day before the UFC. This is kind of a first for... Uh, for these guys uh, in general to to piggyback on a UFC event, right? Um, and and obviously purposely so. Some people, uh, Cyborg, I believe Cyborg is defending uh, her title. She's she, fighting yeah, on she's that show. Event. Yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, there Against are some rumors Twitter. going around about an, a potential announcement being made that mm-hmm. weekend with uh, Cyborg. You know, presuming she wins, I suppose. Um, you know, an announcement possibly of her signing with the UFC. Who knows? I mean, it's just internet speculation at this point, but. Uh, it, it is an interesting setup to have these two shows that business-wise are connected back-to-back in the same weekend. I won't right. be, Don't be surprised if you just start seeing this again uh, on a more regular basis with Invicta shows. Um, so, you know, there, there's there's definitely smoke to that potential fire in terms of Cyborg, yeah. Definitely. I, and Invicta is a said feeder to the UFC now. Now that there's two women's divisions in the UFC, yeah. the strawweight and the bantamweight division, uh, Although they are drawing a lot of girls from Invicta to yeah. the UFC. So, Although there is that, I mean, Cyborg's fighting at 45, and there is not a 45 division in the UFC yet. Right, which makes so you think... That, is, that factor as well. Is that the next one to establish? I mean, right. I would think that, that or 125. Or maybe 105 to Adam Waits, a big division. Not 105, I don't think. Um, but 145, I mean, as I think about it here, like, we've been going on for the past year or so about Cyborg, whether she can or can't make 35. She's declared that, you know, recently when, when we talked with her as well at, uh, at the yeah. last RFA late last year, that she can't make 35. So, you know, that, um, I mean, that's, I suppose that's, that's water on, on those, those rumors, uh, you know, smoke uh, of, of those rumors. Um, well, just the rumors that she would be coming to the UFC to fight Ronda, not rumors that she might be coming to the UFC in her own uh, weight division. Yeah, I don't think that the latter would happen. I think that if she right. signs for the U- with the UFC, then that means that uh, the UFC and she has decided and, and believes that she can make 35 safely, which I think that we probably would know about first before, before that would happen. Mm-hmm. Then again, who knew about CM Punk? Uh, UFC likes to scoop. Or they could be announcing a new season of The Ultimate Fighter that would be the 145 division, just like they did with the Strawweights. Nah, not that. (laughs) I know you want that. I I know. know. I'm not speaking from a biased opinion. I'm not not a 145-er. It has nothing to do with me, but I'm just saying, he's obviously trying to establish more weight classes for the women. Mm -hmm. He said it uh, following the Strawweight 
season that he he wasn't done. Yeah, so. but I don't true, but I don't think that they would do that before further establishing the strawweight division. I mean, Carla Hesparza has hasn't even had a uh, a title match yet. But she is set for one against Joanne. Nah, Joanna. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to say her last name. name. Yeah. Nope. Don't even ask me. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on. Next yeah. on the card, we have Jordan Younggun Maine versus Tiago Pitbull Alves. Mm-hmm. This one was going in the favor of Maine for the for the first round, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a definitive round. Uh, Maine was really touching up Alves on the feet, um, cornering him against the cage, almost finishing him at the end of the first round. It kind of yeah. saved by the bell for Tiago Alves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tiago came back in the second to drop Maine with a body kick. It wasn't even to yeah. the liver. It looked like it was to the solar plex. And mm-hmm. he, he keeled over, and um, he finished him with some punches, and that was it. Round two TKO victory for Tiago. Mean looked really good uh, in the first round, and I, and I dare say some of uh, some of the second as well. Right. Um, you know, nice boxing, great footwork and movement. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that cool roll away from the cage, too, in the second uh, round. It, yeah. Kind of like a three-quarter roll uh, to the side that got him out, out of – out of being cornered against the cage, but uh, yeah, that that kick that Elvis caught him with uh, just doubled him over. Um, it this reminded me of you know Scott Smith versus Pete Sell, one for you guys uh, homework to look up as at kind of that last minute. Uh, it wasn't a hail mary shot by any means. You know, Elvis was going for it, but uh, it certainly turned the tables. You know, in the yeah. match, and uh, yeah, that's one of those MMA Kirk Gibson shots. So. Uh, it was a good one. It's really interesting. Is you know, Alves now he finished. Uh, he, he's not in the top fifteen, um, but he finished a guy at, at number thirteen, and you know, kind of the same scenario with Talis Ladis and Tim Boach that we'll mm-hmm. talk with about next. Um, both guys that finish uh, low level top fifteen guys, mm-hmm. which they've both Talis Ladis and Tiago Alves, they've both had their title shots in the past. Question is. Are we going to see these guys start to, you know, rack up, uh, rack up another run for the title, as it were? And I believe uh, Tiago looked good. I know he had a little health issue a few years ago. Yeah, uh, I mean, it looks like he's back. It looks like he's back for good. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. I don't want to say chip on the shoulder, but you know, you, you don't know what the what this guy's got motivation. You know, yeah, yeah, right. No, and, I think he definitely has something to prove. Like you guys said, he was really up in the running before he had his, uh, you know, medical issues, and now I think he's back, and I think he's definitely going for a run for the title. I'm sure they would like to, yeah. I'm looking here, and it was um, Talis Ladas that has the uh, already has a, a really strong winning streak here. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I feel like it's like eight matches or so. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that match. Uh, Talis Ladas versus Tim the Barbarian Boach. Uh, Talis Ladas won via arm triangle. Uh, the first round, Boach was really looking good. Um, mm-hmm. He had a nice flurry in the beginning. I thought he possibly rocked latest, but he hung in there and, you mm. know, it continued on. Uh, some amazing big shots by Boach. His striking overall really looked good. Mm-hmm. Tim, you can always rely on to bring those great uppercuts. Um, and he's bulky, too. And so he's got a lot of he's strength. Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a fun uh, fun striking match for the most part, for, for what was there. Um, and latest, I think he kind of, uh, he, he got that takedown. I mean, he was getting... Getting pretty rocked by by Boach, I felt. Went for that takedown, you know, change up strategy, and it, de- it definitely changed the entire pace of the fight. Yeah, and it took a little while to get that uh, that arm triangle. He didn't have it the first time it, uh, Boach escaped, um, but then he was able to position and get it and put Boach out. 
Yeah. Um, that was a tight arm triangle. Joe mm-hmm. Rogan was like, I think he has the best arm triangle in the game. And I, I would not disagree with that comment. It was mm-hmm. tight. And he had uh, – really, I thought he had it the first time. But he mm-hmm. got out by, by a hair, and then he got it right back in. So congratulations to Tal's latest for an awesome victory. You know, we – richer. Yeah, yeah. That's the real victory. Uh, um. What's going to be interesting to see is is 185. We have been circling around four names, I think, um, for I don't know how long, at least since middle of last year, Vitor Belfort, Leota Machida, uh, of course, the champion, Chris Weidman, mm-hmm. and I was going to say Anderson, but, you know, I mean, we've got also guys like... Luke Rockhold. Yeah, Luke, Luke Rockhold, Jacare, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, Yoel, Romero. Yoel Romero. Okay, so that's more than four. Um, you know, but we're in such a stalemate here because, unfortunately, as, as news broke out, uh, Chris Weidman is out of next month's UFC card. He was scheduled to defend against Vitor Belfort. This is a match that's been uh, rescheduled. I think this is the third time now or the third time that it's been halted. And we got this bottleneck, you know. So in the meantime, the question is – the first question, I suppose, is will the UFC create an interim title? Uh, an interim shot. Hey, they were trying. Vitor, yeah. Vitor, Vitor call, was calling Dana saying, I want the interim. Give me an interim title shot. Mm. And this is weird. It's like, all right, fine. We'll give you one. We'll put you against Leoto in the interim. Nah, change my mind. <laughs> no, thanks. That's what like, Dana, how, how do you right, say that? Like, How right. do you say no thank you to that? And that was according to Dana in the yeah. post-fight press conference. Um, yeah, I, I think that match obviously would have made sense mm-hmm. between the two of them. But uh, I'm, I'm afraid that you know with this postponement again and again. The title hasn't been defended, what, since, uh, was it July last year? It was Weidman and Machida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's going to need to, especially with the uh, the schedule that the UFC is keeping here, they're going to need these titles in contention on a regular basis, yeah. which means that you may need to do a, an interim title match. Mm-hmm. And what happens, you know, with, with those guys, you know, but point being, uh, to, to bring it back to Bacon here, um, to see Talos Latas, you know, work his way up in there, it'll be nice to have some more players, some, some fresh more chess blood up there. Exactly, Definitely. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do. I mean, uh, isn't Jacare out as well? Pneumonia. Yeah. But he'll get over that before too long. I that's, think he'll that's be ready. That's a fast one. Yeah, right. come back, you know, late spring, maybe early summer or so. Right. Um, I don't know what you do there, because if you put Leona Machida up against Vitor, I mean, if Leona Machida wins, do you do a rematch? When Weidman comes back, that's a good question. Or do you give? Isn't he scheduled to fight Rockhold? Anyway? Uh, Machida and Rockhold. Yeah, yeah. I think that actually, you, you might be right about that. Yeah, that you but are it, right. But that would change as well. It you could, know, I yeah, mean, right. if they need to fill a title spot, they will take that fight away. Yeah, that mm-hmm. match will get moved. I mean, maybe you make if yeah. number one. I think if Dana's story was, you know, uh, was was true mm-hmm. that Vitor is declining Machida, right. I think it's just a matter of time before if the UFC says, well, it's going to be a title match. It's going to be Machida and somebody. Vitor will eventually he will go, go for it. This yeah. is Vitor's problem, in my opinion, and this would be my issue as well. I don't mm-hmm. blame him for it. He's been waiting for this title shot. He yeah. wants this title shot, shot so bad. If he takes the Leona Machida fight and, God mm-hmm. forbid, loses mm-hmm. and doesn't get that title shot that he's been waiting so long for, whereas... If he can choose to opt out of it and hang around until Chris Weidman, yeah, but I think that's riskier. It, in what sense? I think yeah. that's riskier in terms of of securing a title shot. Because if there's a, a Leona Machida fight with 
it'll be with someone else anyway. Exactly. Right, if, if, right, right. If the UFC brass says, well, Vitor said no, so let's just go to the next guy. Who is it? Rockhold. Very good match right there. Right, right. But then, boom, Vitor has been waiting for this whole time. And now doesn't get his match at yeah, all. Yeah, you know, if and it comes down to that, I think Vitor is way smarter than that, and I, he'll take the fight. I, I still don't get it though, because for example, I want to be champion right now. Right. So I don't want to wait. Mm-hmm. So is he afraid of Machida? Because if, if that's the case, then if he feels like he can't beat Machida, he's probably not going to be Wyman either. Right. So I, I just I don't get that mentality. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's ready for the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, just take the fight. And that's why I think that there's more, more to the story about the middleweight title that hasn't, you know, it hasn't fully. You're been probably written yet. right. I mean, Dana White said that he offered. He's a, he has someone else in mind. I don't think for a title shot, but he has someone else in mind for Vitor. Ready? He just hasn't said who yet, but mm. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out today or tomorrow. I'm trying to think who it could even be. Hmm. Can't be Vitor and Rockhold. Make your guesses, guys. Let yeah, guys. Know, ABTV comment. UFC. Or you talk to on us. Chat roll. Yes. On chat the roll. chat roll. Chat roll. The roll of the chat. Is that the you comment section of uh, YouTube? I don't know what chat roll means. Apparently it is. It's pretty much just when we're going live, it's um, a sidebar that people can li- live keep up with you oh. as you guys are talking. So we have live comments? Yeah, like right now. Everybody's talking. Like, I'll be damned. Why, that's why I was saying, like, did you guys want to hear their opinions? We um, do. Oh, we do. Uh, people are live? We have viewers? Yeah. We All have, right, we guys. Have, we have six, hey. We have six people watching live right now. Very um, cool. What are they saying? Yeah, who is it? Joseph Boza. Hey, what up, Joseph? Um, he's always commenting. I like yeah. that guy. So he's here, and um, he said, with John Linker missing weight and having to move up to the 130s uh, weight class, in my opinion, um, Demetrius Johnson has to be happy about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Probably. I mean, he I did, Len- Lineker did look good. I mean, he did look like a solid threat. I don't, but I guess we'll just never know. That, nah. It's a very good point, but I don't know that Demetrius Johnson fears anybody in that weight class. Agreed. Um, yeah. But hey, maybe we'll see. Um, we have uh, Eric Douglas, Tywin Woodley, locked, looked terrible. Excuse me. Tyrone Woodley mm, looked terrible. Yeah, yeah we have we'll yet get, to get we'll to, get to that one. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I, I slightly agree with you. Um, NYMETS fan 2006. Sure. Um, da- uh Dana White offered Belfort a and a Machida fight, but he said no. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we just again according to to him at the post fight press conference. But guys, and and saying nothing about what Dana White says, um, take everything here in MMA with a grain of salt, the size of a cat lick. Usually, <laughs> I mean Dana White, he, he he isn't really known to just kind of blow smoke up people's asses either. No, Agreed. he's a very Agreed. straightforward guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it out is in my opinion, um, almost too straightforward and casual mm-hmm. sometimes. So if he says it, hey, I believe it. But yeah. I guess we will see what goes on with the Leon Machida thing. But next we have Joe Lozon versus Al oh, Raging Iaquinta. I know you just broke your heart, George. <laughs> uh, Quinta won via TKO round two. What'd you think? I mean, it, it was a good first round. I, I gave the first round to Lozon. But, man, that second round was brutal. Like, it was just so hard. Not even just because I'm a fan of Lozon, but just from being a fan of humanity. Like, Lozon mm. took a beating that, that he yeah. that should have been stopped around 10 punches before that. I'm, I mean, he, he, he was having a hard time staying still. And, again, I, I know that we were talking about it earlier where, well, I mean, he was still standing. He was still, you know, awake. I mean, I think that's that fighter's mentality. You're not going to, like, hey, say no, please call the fight if you can still stand. Um but, I mean, again, that's the ref's job to kind of say, hey, 
you, you're good. You know, you, you can't take another beating. You know, you're done. But yeah, I agreed with George on this one. I think it was a slightly late stoppage. Um, when he was on the ground, I thought it could have been called, but he did get back up, mm-hmm. uh, wobbly as ever. And I mean, he was literally just wobbling from side to side of the cage. Uh, some could argue he was walking, but I think he was just getting punched from side to side. Because you can make that same argument for that one fight, the big fight that has Rufus Sport in trouble. Um, was it like a kickboxing oh, Jesus, event? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, like, I'm not comparing the two automatically, yeah, but the yeah, other guy was still standing. There's a few yeah. degrees difference there. Yeah. But, well, in in this match, Aikunta versus Joe Lozon, I mean, I have a little bit less issue with uh, with the finish, although it did – it was liberal, I will say. Um, let, let's talk about the first round. Uh, Aikunta was aggressive early. Um, he came out with really good striking and Lozon as well. You know, they were trading well, moving around a lot. Lozon, I think, I think in this match, I felt like it took him a little bit of time. I don't think he really turned on until like halfway through the first round. That's when we saw him getting more aggressive and responding more. Um, he had uh, had a guillotine choke uh, on uh, on Ayakinta very briefly. Uh, good flurry in the very last uh, the last minute of uh, of round one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he came out. Uh, you know, he, he was good in in the second uh, second round as well, but. Al landed this uh, left, then a right, and then flurries for uh, uh, for just uh, probably, what, 20, 30 seconds or so. Um, Lozon was definitely wobbly. He was on, uh, you know, on spaghetti legs. Um, but he was still in it, and Lozon being the tough guy that he is. And you know what? Here's, here's the thing. Guys, next week we're supposed to have uh, Herb Dean. He's scheduled to come in and talk with us. We can talk about reading a fighter and when you stop a fighter because – Joe is one of those guys that obviously has been in a lot of wars. He's a durable, rugged guy. Um, and the referee, who's refing it? Uh, Mark Goddard. Mark is an experienced ref. He's done a lot of UFCs mm-hmm. in, in many years. Um, I think it's fair to say that he knows, uh, probably knows Joe, might have uh, jo- refereed some of his previous matches. So you give a guy like Joe Lozon some time to recover, maybe a little bit more liberal than a guy on the undercard. Uh, that, I, that is not as experienced in the I UFC. agree with all the points you're making, but looking at the actual fight itself, it, yeah. it went it went too long. Um, there was so much damage done. I mean, there, it was to the point where Ali Quinto was just rocking him. I mean, over and over again. You knew it was over, and it just kept... It was a little too long for me, but that's all <laughs> I'll say. Um, Fair enough. But I gave round one to Ali, Ali Quinto. I know you gave round one to Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon wasn't as busy as Ali Quinto. He was landing those... Those good, you know, occasional shots, but mm-hmm. Ali Quinto was uh, busier overall, yeah. and I, I think just um, the guillotine choke wasn't that much of a threat. I mean, no, it, it was it a was, moment. He, it was a very brief moment that yeah. was reversed, but yeah. um, I could see giving some credit due for that. But right. yeah, I gave round one to Ali Quinto, and obviously round two when he finished him um, was a clear draw. But next, hold on, we have a chat roll question. Oh, do we have a question? Yeah, what's up? Uh, yeah, it's. Um... Oh, man, I lost it. Oh, would they debut CM Punk, uh, Phil Brooks, against Victor Belford? Uh, against Vitor? That'd, that'd be funny. That'd be awesome. That, that would be funny, wouldn't what it? And question? new interim champion, <laughs> CM Punk. What was it, Jay? They, v- should, they, should, they should debut v, uh, CM Punk against Vitor Belford. Oh, gosh, no. Nobody in any state. You'd have to go out of country for that one. That you was know? Um, from Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, you know better. Come on. Come on, They were dude. saying, though, Did he pick which, a weight class yet? 
CM Punk? Did he uh, say not, where not, he's going to fight? Not officially. He should fight at welterweight. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. He should fight at welterweight. Some people have been saying that it may be you know next year before we see him fight, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's funny. I was having this conversation at the bar yesterday. My opinion for uh, to market this thing correctly is let as they're doing now to to a certain extent. Let the dust settle. Let's stop talking about CM Punk and just let the guy go train. And let's not worry about when we see him this end of this year, early next year. Um, whenever he comes, whenever he decides that that he's ready, then let's let's burn that bridge when we get to it. You know, I think he's going to fight at the, at the last uh, pay per view of the year. Hmm. That'd be well, good timing. I don't know. I think I think his hype has died it's usually for the a big moment. Card for that that night, you know. Like the New Year's Eve type, yeah. 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 But who knows if he's going to be ready, you know, quality wise? Um, he says he's ready. He sounded ready a couple months ago when he announced it. So, actually, he, he didn't. So? Actually, no. he didn't sound ready. He said, "You know what? I'm a scale of zero to ten. I'm like a negative four. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, something like something to that extent. Like, like, hey, he, he knows he's to, not ready. Yeah. Um, All right, well, let's, he's, he knows let's it. He's him. like he's like, dude. My jujitsu is okay. My striking is horrible. <laughs> so that's why I think a lot of that went into play and in going to Rufus Sport, knowing that they're such good strikers, you know, and then still kind of going back and forth with, with uh, Gracie. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Can't wait. Do we have an interesting question you want to share? Uh, Joseph has asked another one. Um, my question would be, did um, Reagan Al, uh, people, wait, Reagan Al's people know that he couldn't win against Joe if it went to the judges? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the, their their camp. You know, the the Sarah Longo camp. I mean, those guys are, man, those guys are coming up. I mean, two, good three, yeah, two, but- two, three years ago, I mean, everybody just thought of Matt Sarah, just that guy who beat GSP one time. Mm-hmm. Now he's turning into having one of the best training camps in the entire in the entire all of MMA. So he's a gym that's been coming up. They've got mm-hmm. some really good guys like Eddie Gordon, obviously mm-hmm. middleweight champ Chris Weidman, um, and Ray Janal has been a guy that they've had for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Matt Serra, of course, black belt. Uh, Henzo Gracie, black belt, and um, Ray Longo, the striking coach there. Um, they've you know they've had some great success, and and I believe Ray Longo was coaching Matt when he beat uh, GSP. Uh, it's off the top of my head. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I believe that's, the, you know, they've been working together for quite a long time. So to have, for Ray, Ray Longo to have one of his fighters now be his coach and for those guys to partner with each other, they're very familiar. They've got the right chemistry and now they can impart that, uh, that knowledge and guidance to this new generation of guys that they're bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, who, who knows? I mean, I'm sure they had confidence in Al Iaquinta beating, mm-hmm. uh, beating Lozon by by decision, but uh, I'm sure they, they're happy about the finish as well. Yes. You know? Let's move on to the co-main and the main because we're running yeah. out of time here. Yeah. Tyrone, the chosen one, Woodley, uh, defeated Kelvin Gastelum via split, split decision. decision. Um, this was not the most interesting fight I've ever seen. Uh, in my opinion, I'm just going to say that Tyrone Woodley looked super, super defensive. I'm almost going to say scared. Not scared in the sense that... That, that he thought he was going to lose, but he was playing so defensively, and I cannot put my finger on why. He was counter striking a lot. He was playing the outside against the fence, very close he to was the fence. Playing a lot. the outside so much to the point where he put his own back up against the cage. And um, I understand, you know, like we were saying, circling around and staying mm-hmm. on the outside and staying at the end of of Kelvin Gastelum's reach. But I mean, he was so far out that when he wanted to penetrate into to, to strike, he had to penetrate into strike. Mm-hmm. He was out of punching range ninety yeah. percent of the time they were striking. Yeah. Um, and I think Kelvin Gaslam has 
much shorter reach than Tyron Woodley. So I didn't understand why he was doing that. Um, maybe because he knows Gaslam has knockout power and, you know, didn't want to fool around with that. But I I gave the, the first round to Kelvin. I gave the second round to Woodley. And I gave the second round to Woodley because of those those two right hands. Mm-hmm. In the third round, I, I couldn't score. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, it, was, uh, it was not the match that it could have been, that's for sure. And we had a lot of drama and moving pieces going into this. Kelvin coming in, weighing in at... Ten, uh, what, nine pounds over, um, I believe. You know, and there's there's different stories uh, going around in terms of what happened fight week. Uh, you know, before before weigh-ins, I believe he was a couple of pounds, just three or four pounds short of uh, of one seventy. Um, uh, Gastelum was, uh, but then got sick and was sent to the hospital, and they had to you know re uh, uh, give him an IV and you know fill him up with fluids. Right now, I doubt that they necessarily filled him up. With what six pounds of fluids or so, but I'm sure he was instructed to eat and you know and and get full him himself on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there was there was that drama of weighing in so heavy, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it was a lot. What, there was the drama. I believe there was talk about Woodley the match getting pulled and Woodley fighting on another show. Um, yeah, well, okay, so Kevin Gastelum missed weight by nine pounds. Yeah. Tyron Woodley, if you watch the Embedded series, uh, I believe it was episode four, if you want to go back and take a look, they were following Tyron Woodley, and he went up to Kevin Gastelum and was like, I'm pissed, dude. Yeah. I'm not pissed at you, but I'm pissed at the situation. I just want to yeah. let you know that. Yeah. And well, that was the fight that Cerrone wanted to take. Sorry. What's that? No, he wanted to, he wanted to, because... He was going to come in for what, this one? Yeah, word, oh, when word got out that Gaslam was nine pounds oh, over, Cerrone was, like, was like, oh, dude, I'm ready. If you need me, I'll be there. Oh, God. I think there was also a tweet about him wanting to, uh, to take, uh, was it Anderson, if Nick didn't show up. I believe it. <laughs> That's earlier in the week. But, but awesome. anyway, so yeah. I think Woodley let it really get to him personally, and I really think you saw that in the fight. I don't mm. think this Tyrone Woodley was anything like the Tyrone Woodley that we're used to seeing. And Kelvin as well certainly wasn't. I think that this took steam out of his sail proverbially as Definitely. well. I think he was, you know, which, disappointed in himself. Which was what was to be expected, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. he was sick. He was throwing up, they said. Yeah. The the weight issues, not to give him a, a cop-out, but, you know, I expected him to look not yeah. as good. But for Tyrone Woodley, a guy that only had advantages in this situation, except for maybe the slight mind game that it played on him, mm-hmm. you know, which he allowed it to, yeah. um, I didn't think he was going to come in. Hmm. affected by it at all and he came in and he really didn't look himself um i'm curious to know why he was so defensive and why he wasn't putting the pressure on gas mm-hmm. but you know i don't know we got one more question uh, yeah tyron wells is there any way kg can re- reunite with uh dulce as a personal My dulce yeah as a personal uh nutrition a nutritionist maybe it's so obvious that he needs one and that that's the only thing holding him back because he's so talented and he Maybe. did get I, sick. I, I agree to the extent that he's super talented. He should get this under control. I believe this is the second time that Kelvin, Kelvin Gastelum has missed 170. In the UFC, right. He won Ultimate Fighter at 185 uh, last uh, against Uriah Hall in the finals a year or two ago. Um, but I think he's too small for 185. He's too short. Um to to really make a serious run, I mean, let's. But talk. then again, Nick Diaz fought at one eighty five today. Yeah, true. Yesterday. But Nick is a longer, lankier guy, and uh, and you know, and and even to the the height average of one eighty five, that's not the case for Kelvin Gastelum. He has a weird build, and it would definitely, I agree, it would be a r- really weird build at one eighty five. Yeah. Um, because he is so short and stocky, but yeah. 
to Tyrone's uh, question, is he uh, was it, is that right, Tyrone? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you, you know, is Mike Dolce the answer? I don't know. Um, somebody, he, I agree. He definitely needs a nutritionist to get down to get his body used to 170 yeah. in a safe way. And he's, I think he's one of those guys that would be better off. And I, I don't know his diet or or you know how he is in the off between matches, but for him to stay as close to 170 as possible between matches. That's probably going to, in the long run, be healthier for him because he's a young kid too. Come to think of it, Kelvin Gastelum, yeah, twenty three years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's so super it's not young. like I mean, if you at that age, if you get you stay at a certain weight, you know, between one seventy to one eighty in the off season between matches, then that l- less of a cut, you're going to be safer and it's going to be healthier for your body. Yeah, so. I mean, bottom line, he has to lose weight. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to cut weight. He has to lose weight. He has yes. to start walking around much lighter than he is because yes. clearly he's cutting from too high and that's yeah. where the issue occurs. Or he has to switch weight classes mm-hmm. and bulk up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we need to get to the main event because we're going to get cut off soon. Anderson the Spider Silva makes his return versus Nick Diaz. We were all expecting Ooh. this to be fireworks and boy was it. Yeah. Uh, Nick Diaz started the fight with his antics, as always, laying on the ground, putting his back on the cage, putting his hands down. Talking trash talking to Anderson. Talking trash. This elbow thing he was doing. I don't know what the <laughs> hell this was. That was his stance. Yeah, he, he kept doing that throughout all five rounds, throwing his elbow out. Just almost like a fight stance that didn't quite make sense, right? Uh, yeah, I don't understand, but... Yeah. Uh, it worked for him, because I thought he did amazing. I really did. He really surprised me. Um I, t- I thought Anderson did amazing. <laughs> Anderson did do amazing. Anderson obviously came out with the unanimous decision. He dominated all five rounds. But I wouldn't say dominated. Um, like he beat him. I just wouldn't go as far and say dominated. That's true. He that, controlled it. He because Nick, Nick, Nick got his got his shots in. Like he, true. he gave Anderson Silva a lot more than what other guys gave Anderson Silva. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. He he his boxing looked phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, and he was definitely able to get in on Anderson the thing, Silva. The thing that annoyed me about and I love Nick Diaz. I, I used to hate him. Now it's kind of like dude. Mm-hmm. I kind of I, I really like the guy. Is that he? I think he tried too much to taunt him. And usually, because yeah. Anderson Silva used to do that all the time, but the difference is he would taunt and then attack, a taunt and then attack, as opposed to Nick yeah. Diaz. It was just more taunting and then waiting for, for – but, I mean, that's a style. He tries to kind of get you in there to kind of maybe get mm. you at his length. But right. I, I think that's where I think the Nick Diaz is missing that, that sets apart him from everyone else's. He's more about the taunting and just seeing what happens. In that first round, he out-Andersoned Anderson. <laughs> yes, that is the perfect way to put it, Jay. Yeah, because I mean, he did the same thing that Anderson Silva did on previous fights. He would mm-hmm. put, he would w- literally would walk and put his back against the cage. Yeah, uh, put mm-hmm. his hands down. You know, ch- telling you know, let's go, let's go. You know, it, laying on the floor. You know, it really makes me question. Had they gone out there, no antics, everything mm-hmm. dead serious, mm-hmm. like your life was on the line and fought, who would win? Because Nick Diaz mm. really, really, really took it to Anderson. Um, like you said, it was not, I, I take back my wording, it was not at all a domination. It was very close. It was 29-28 mm-hmm. every round I scored it, but um, it wasn't a domination. And I think It was uh, Diaz, five rounds, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Five rounds, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. 45-50. 45-50, yeah. whatever. But um, I think that Nick Diaz really could have brought more to Anderson Silva had he known it was that close. Because in the last round in mm-hmm. his corner... He was like, is it close? Am I winning? Am I losing? Yeah. And as he said in the post-fight press conference, he thought he won. He thought he was winning. 
Um, so I think Nick says that for every match. Nate, Nate Diaz says the same thing. <laughs> I think they could the get. I, I think they could get. He always says that. <laughs> the, hypothetically, guys, I'm saying uh, they could get knocked out or, or subbed in the first round, and they would still show up the first round and say, "I won that match." Uh, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That is true. It was a really interesting match in two of the greats of this era, if not ever coming back after this long hiatus and seeing what they got. I feel like it was, to your point, I feel like it was a serious match that both guys were serious. Anderson, we saw more serious than ever. Very Al- true. Almost no taunting whatsoever. Very true, I yes. think it was a big test. I think he was he was fighting himself as much as he was fighting Nick. I agree. Do I belong here? Do I still have it? Right. Uh, and Nick took this, I, in, in many ways, I think he took this more seriously than any of his previous matches as well. Uh, certainly, there was a respect shown to Anderson that we haven't seen. I've in... never seen Nick Diaz respect exactly the from he Nick and... Anderson Silva. Yeah, hundred um, percent. For the most part, it seemed like it was a you know it was a kickboxing match all five rounds. Mm-hmm. I felt Anderson. Both guys, nobody looked bad per se. Uh, Diaz was landing those leg kicks, those left leg mm-hmm. kicks. Yeah, and, and so was Anderson. He was yeah. testing out that left leg. That was working. He had a great body kick in, in and, the third round, I think. Yeah, Anderson was getting through uh, um, through Nick's you know kind of. Uh, Arm guard with you know headshots. Right. Nick was taking it to Anderson. He landed on his face as well. Um, you know it it did die down a little bit in the you know second and third and fourth round, but this to me was was just as fun. I I'd say guys, you know this match, it wasn't that close, but it was as fun as Jones Cormier. And to compare the two cards overall, I think this one deliver gave you more bang for the buck more excitement on the undercard as well as having that fun main event mm-hmm. compared to Jones Cormier which for the most part was you know just the main event right well i think 90% of this main event is is the story behind it and the lineage mm-hmm. behind it yeah. uh, i mean you have two guys that have uh you know anderson silva has been gone because of an injury but he's also questioned being in the sport altogether recently you know yeah. he he said at the end of his fight that his family asked him to stop fighting after this one but they also asked him to stop after his last one and he mm-hmm. didn't yeah. He said, you know, he's got to do what his heart says he's, he's got to do. Um, so that question's like, are we going to see Anderson Silva again? If so, how soon? Uh, same thing with Nick Diaz. He, 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 he said, um, you know, a couple days before my fight, I always think, uh, why the hell am I doing this? Yeah. You know, and he's a guy that uh, we never know when he's going to come back. He's, he mentioned in the— Nick doesn't know when he's going to come he back. He doesn't. <laughs> he mentioned in, in the interview after with, with Joe Rogan, he's like, uh, I don't need much to live off of. So yeah. it makes you think, are we going to see these two fighters again? Yeah. I mean, Nick Diaz, I think his last fight was March 16th, 2013. 13, yeah. And then before that, I think his last fight before that was like February of the previous year. Yep. Wow. Against Carlos Condit. Yeah. Um, I mean, usually if he loses, I mean— I mean, he said it. He said it in an interview. He said, "You know, I, I love you know performing for the fans. You know, being a fighter. But man, I just I'm just tired of feeling like a loser. Right? He's on a three fight losing streak. I mean, after a, a huge dominant performance over BJ Penn a few years ago. Yep. I mean that that if you watch that fight, Nick Diaz versus BJ Penn, you would think that Nick Diaz that Nick Diaz would have destroyed Anderson Silva. I think he all um, but retired pretty BJ much at that point. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Um, but look at the guys he's losing too. I, mean, I, I agree. So I mean, yeah, the the, the level of talent that he's that he's facing. I mean, that's the thing. Nick Diaz, he's not going to fight a lower level guy. He's going to fight if he comes back again. He's going to fight a top level guy. And hey, we saw a super fight the weekend of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Like that. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, that, Super that, Saturday. That was one of my dream matches back in the day. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I didn't think Nick Diaz would go up to middleweight, but <laughs> then again, Nick Diaz would just... He didn't uh, suck, he, he that's for sure. Yeah. He definitely didn't suck. I mean, it, it kind of intriguing. I'd love to see him against like somebody like Michael Bisping. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be an interesting. Do you have another fight. question, Alexis? Oh no, <laughs> he's getting ready to wrap us. Okay, well, you that, know, was, that was code word for "shut up, George." Yeah. Yes, and a happy birthday to the bantamweight champion today, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Happy birthday, Ronda. <laughs> um, I think, guys, here's here's your homework. Um, go if you can. Go watch that. Uh, post-fight press conference. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of links on YouTube uh, or through Fight Pass. Uh, hopefully, they have, the UFC has kept. Uh, there was the the post-fight press conference, and then in that same that same meeting, um, there was a one-on-one. Well, it was a scrum with Anderson Silva. He came late to the uh, to the post-fight press conference and took questions, and Nick as well. And you, I guarantee you guys, you've never seen more. What's the word? Introspection and um, engagement of, uh, of of both of those fighters, who for the most part are such enigmas in the sport. You know their legacy right. and who they are as characters. Um, you've never seen more ex- exposure of these guys internally as people. It is captivating, absolutely worth watching, and really it, it speaks to both of those guys. You get a bit more insight into whether we're going to see them. Uh, fight again, and if we will, why? If not, why? Um, that you know, that's as, that was as good as the main event. You know, I mean, real quick, uh, the emotion of Anderson Silva as soon as they announced him as the winner, like yeah. uh, he he. When mm-hmm. I say crying, that is an understatement. He was crying, Balling, right? Yeah, like yeah. he was crying, um, and it was kind of a cool moment. Nick Diaz coming over, um, you know, helping him, him up, up. saying, "No, yeah. seriously, don't cry." You know, the, yeah. the, you know. So I thought that was a very, very cool moment. It was a surreal moment in MMA history. I think yeah. that's yes. one that we'll look back yes. on forever. Alexis? I lied. There was one more question. I missed it. Um, Talk to us. It's from Tyrone again. Tyrone. Um, let me scroll back up. Do you think they'll ever make a Silva versus GSP? And would it be worth it, aside from from the money, for these two to actually agree to fight? Oh, GSP and, and Anderson. I... <laughs> Buddy, you got to be clar- clarify which Silva we're talking about. Might be Joe Silva for I all mean, I know. If there's anything, Anderson, there's uh, I mean, I, I, Vanderlei. Answer the I man's question. I mentioned it earlier where <laughs> it depends what Anderson Silva wants to do. If he yeah. wants to fight again, yes, I think it should happen. But I think what we saw, and I was mentioning too, where two, three years ago, Anderson Silva, it, it's not the same guy as today. I think yeah, last night was more about can I still do this? Yeah. Can I still yeah. you know perform? Can I maybe even can I just still fight? Who knows? Maybe he would have had the same emotion had he would have lost. I mm-hmm. see that being like like almost like a Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Like they're both going to do it a little it. bit too late. Yeah, yeah, that it's going to be late. And also, like you know, they're both coming out of retirement to do it. Like they're both mm. like, let's just give the fans what they want type thing. Like mm. win, lose, or draw, we know we're both champions. Because I mean, thing. I, I got a little annoyed when they were talking how Anderson Silva might get the next title shot. I'm like, I don't think he even. I don't even think that's his motivation anymore. He's been there. Yeah. He's done that. I don't think it is either. Um, Not so I think if Anderson Silva were to fight again, or however many fights he has, it'd be those Nick Diaz-type super fights, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe up against the guys who you never think he would fight. Yeah. Um, but just kind of, hey, let's just see it happen. So maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if, even if GSP comes back, there really isn't much for him to do. Um, I, I don't know if he ever said he can successfully, consistently make me. I think he said if he ever makes middleweight, it would be a permanent move. It yeah. wouldn't be like a back and forth type of thing. So, yeah. right. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. I, I don't know that I would speculate. I think it, it, if anything, uh, Anderson versus GSP would probably be something like what we saw last night where uh, George does come back, feels confident, and moves up. Mm-hmm. And it's something that both guys want to do. It is a little bit 
you know, past both past their prime, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But then again, maybe not for George. I mean, as as much of a freaking cyborg as that guy is, you know, yeah. and he's had a lot of time off to recuperate. I he think could come back as good. They, as They both ever. could make it happen. And I think they both have you know prime fights left in them. It's just a matter of their their mental state of being, yes. their emotionally. You know, yeah. do they want it bad enough to put their bodies through all mm-hmm. of this pain? You know, that's what we're seeing with a lot of these guys. The stars from the past five years or so now are getting to that point when they go. I've done. I'm past my prime, but I'm not done yet. What do I really want to do? Do I want right. to keep fighting or not? Right. And that's something that we're going to see with all fighters. We've seen it with fighters in the mm-hmm. past. Same with Randy Couture after he lost the title uh, to Brock. You know, he wanted only special matches, and you know, we're going to see that. This is a changing of the guards, guys, and that's part of the sport. Do it you know? Happens. Do you know where I will be February seventh? No, where will you be, George? <laughs> You invited me. You should know where it's going to no, be. No, I have no idea it's what you're talking It's your fight. About. I mean, you're the one that's fighting. I'm against. fighting? Oh, God. All right. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Wrap it up. I'm trying to sit there and pl- uh, plug your fight and promote you. I was playing it with you. I was helping you. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you're not even where, in the where, where am I fighting? I don't know, man. I, 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 as far as I know, it's still at the last place, but you're the one. I don't know, man. It's not the baseball field. Okay, guys. I'm fighting next Saturday, uh, less than a week from today. For California Fight League up in Victorville, California, at the Dodge Ram Arena, uh, I will be fighting the sister of my last opponent. So there will be some bitter rivalry there. And then she's going to call out the mom. And then I'm- <laughs> you better call out the mom. <laughs> oh God! But it'll definitely be a good show. So if you guys are in the area, come and check. Don't it out. even if you're not in the area, just come. I'm not going to be in the area, but I'm going. You don't count. Oh. <laughs> Joseph, we'll see you there. And Tyrone. Yeah, man. But uh, you can find me at G Hermosa though. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, is it there? We did that. Is it there? My thing? Or hold on. Right there. Push back. Uh, Alexis, we know you're right there. (laughs) It's right there. My handle. G Hermosa. I'm at 98 followers. So close to 99 that I'm going to quit Twitter. Guys, also the University of MMA, uh, March 8th, Sunday, Club Nokia in downtown LA. So if you're in the SoCal area, come through. Tickets are available right now at universityofmma.com. Trust me, as the matchmaker, this one is going to be gangbusters. And, uh, Mom, by the way, the Super Bowl, it's football. So just remind Dad that uh, Joe Namath is not going to be playing today. Okay, guys. And uh, on Jay's U of MMA card, I am on it, (laughs) which is why it will be so interesting. So make sure you get your tickets from me, not his (laughs) website. Go Patriots. Go Patriots. Enjoy your Super Super Bowl fun. Be safe. And we will see you not next week, but the week after. Valentine's See you guys later. Day after Valentine's Day. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.